0: Hello. Welcome to The Legend of Robin Hood of Sherwood. This podcast is a member of the History Podcasters Network. If you're enjoying this, then please go to www.historypodcasters.com where you'll find a directory of loads of other great history podcasts and also links to our joint project, The History Collage. That really is well worth a listen. So, on with the show, Chapter 17, The Black Knight. It was misty as the sun rose. The merry men of Sherwood watched as it climbed up from behind the great hulking lump of grey that was Evil Hold. Robin Hood gazed anxiously north, looking for any sign of the approach of the rest of his unwounded men from Ravenscar. His trepidation didn't last long. The ample form of Friar Tuck presented itself in the middle of the morning. The band he led were in good spirits and became even happier as Robin explained the plan. Some of them noticed a knight dressed all in black listening to the tactics. A few wondered what was going on, but they trusted their leader, and if the Black Knight was a friend of Robin's, then he was a friend of theirs too. When they heard the Black Knight would be leading the attack on the main gate, they were delighted. So, the plans were explained. Robin made sure that every man understood his role. Robin Hood took Little John and 18 others. The mists of the early morning had thickened and provided wonderful cover for the invaders. Where once they had been able to see the castle silhouetted by the rising sun, now they saw nothing. Nobody in the castle, therefore, could see them. Still unseen, they swam the moat and crawled up the inner bank. They made their way silently to the iron door leading to the secret passage into Evil Hold. One of the men swam back across the moat and informed the main body of men, under the Black Knight, that it was time to begin the main attack. The Black Knight led them out of the forest and towards the main gate. Robin inched the key into the lock. The lock squeaked as it turned and the door swung open. He beckoned his men in, urging them to be very quiet. He needed to keep the element of surprise. He wanted Sir Isambart and his men to be distracted by the attack on the front gate. He very soon got his wish. Suddenly, coming from inside the castle, he heard urgent shouts and calls to arms. It was clear that the Black Knight was executing his part of the plan to the letter. One by one, Robin and his men sneaked into the passage and walked along it, until they reached the door which gave access to the corridor of dungeons that gave Evil Hold its terrible reputation. They had no key to this door, but Robin wasn't worried. John, it looks like a feeble plank of wood. Surely this is no barrier to a man of your calibre. Little John grinned. Then he took a few steps back and charged into the door. Of course, it stood no chance against his massive frame. Both the woodwork and the lock splintered and kindling flew everywhere. Robin sent one of his men to find the keys to the cells so the rest of Isambart's prisoners could be released. Meanwhile, the rest of the intruders made their ways to the top of the stairs out of the dungeon to be met by a door which looked a little more sturdy than the last one. After a moment or two of thought, Robin descended the stairs once more. When he came back, he carried two hammers, taken, it seems, from Sir Isambart's torture chamber. He handed one of them to Little John. He was about to swing his, but the big man motioned for him to move away. Stand back, Robin. Leave this one to me. Robin Hood seemed about to object, but he realised his own folly. Theatrically, he bowed and gestured his right-hand man to continue. The big man spat on his hands and took a firm grip of the giant hammer. Then he lifted it and whirled it above his head, before bringing it crashing down on the lock of the door. The first blow caused daylight to be seen through the door, the second knocked it from his hinges and the Merry Men were through. Sir Isambart had only left four men to defend the door. After all, the only people in the dungeons were prisoners, and the chances of loads of them escaping and causing trouble were minimal. Four guards should have been plenty. Against twenty of the Merry Men, of course, four men were not plenty. The first received Little John's hammer in his chest. The hammer strike was so mighty that he fell backwards into the second. Thus, two men were taken out with one blow. The third and fourth simply ran. They weren't quick enough. One was taken out by robin's sword, and the other was trampled by the horde as they surged into the Great Hall of Evil Hold. They were met with a sight which caused them both anger and relief. There, in the centre of the hall, bound to a chair, was Maid Marian. The chair was sat up to a table, and on the table was a parchment and a quill. Robin, cried Marion, he was going to make me sign away my inheritance. No time now, urged Robin. Kit, take Marion and get out of here. Marion, run for your life, we will rejoice later. Kit and Marion left with some urgency. Robin and the rest of the men made their ways to Isambart's armoury, where they took bows. They were just in time. Ten men led by Roger the Cruel had come into the hall, probably alerted by the noise of the crashing door. All ten were taken out by well-aimed arrows. Roger turned and ran. Come on, shouted Robin, to the drawbridge gear. He had to shout quite loud. There was pandemonium. From outside the castle came the sounds of what seemed like a full-scale attack. And indeed, that's what it was. The Black Knight had led his party to the moat through the mist. They'd arrived just as Little John was battering down the door at the top of the dungeon stairs. They intended to cross the moat with the aid of a couple of huge ladders, which Friar Tuck had found at a nearby farm. The Black Knight led them towards the water, running faster than any of them despite being dressed in full armour. It was then that the alarm was raised. Into the moat with the ladders, commanded the Black Knight, then we won't sink. The ladders splashed in at his word and he leapt into the water after them, Crossbow bolts fizzed inches from his head as he grappled with the two long wooden objects. Friar Tuck plunged in beside him and grabbed one of them. Both men secured their ladders on each bank, and there were now two paths across the moat for the rest of the men. Three dozen men crossed safely, while the rest of the men from Sherwood fired arrow after arrow at the defenders on the battlements. Isambart yelled at his men to throw stones and hot oil at the men who had crossed his moat, but the hail of arrows from the bowmen on the other side prevented them. Sir Isambart de Balaam felt an emotion he was most unused to. Fear. He realised that he might be in serious danger. He'd lost a few men in his raid on Robin Hood's home. He had barely 60 troops defending his castle. He'd never expected it to be attacked. After all, he was the most powerful lord in the nearby lands. He'd had it easy. Now he realised his stronghold was badly undermanned. And now his 60 men were 45. Fifteen were either dead or too badly wounded to be of any use, victims of the accuracy of the bowmen of Sherwood. Inside the castle, Robin Hood located the drawbridge gear. It was completely undefended. All of the defenders of Evil Hold were on the battlements, dealing with the attack from the front of the castle. There were none left to deal with the other danger inside. John, you four too, come with me. If we run we'll get to the pulleys which raise the portcullis before anyone spots us. Robin Hood, Little John and four others ran as fast as they could and were almost at the gatehouse before they were seen. Sir Isambart himself glimpsed the six figures legging it towards his undefended gatehouse. He raised the alarm and some of the defenders rushed to the inside of the battlements and raised their crossbows. There was no time for them to fire though. The other men in Robin's party fired arrows up at them. Now they were under attack from bowmen on both sides. Some of them descended the steps from the high wall to defend the gatehouse. But found themselves in a place of death, a few of them fell to the arrows, and none could prevent Robin, John, and the rest from reaching the drawbridge gear. Little John smashed the ratchet which held up the drawbridge with his enormous hammer. it crashed down with force and was immediately crossed by those men outside who hadn't crossed the moat on the ladders. Little John and Robin Hood then each took one of the windlasses which raised and lowered the portcullis. They began to raise it just as the men were crossing the bridge. Friar Tuck was first under the portcullis. He charged at it and executed a surprisingly deft roll to get underneath it. He sprung to his feet and shouted, "Ah!" at the top of his voice. He drew his sword and shouted, "Ah!" even louder. He was surprised to find that there was nobody there for him to fight. All of the defenders of the castle had run away to the safety of the castle keep. Only Sir Isambart de Balaam himself, covered entirely with chainmail and with his visor down, remained outside. Friar Tuck grinned and raised his sword. Prepare to die, you evil, contemptible excuse for a lord. He was about to attack when he felt a hand on his arm, gently restraining him. The Black Knight was at his side. My Baron, my quarrel, he said. Tuck frowned. He had no idea what the Black Knight meant by my Baron, my quarrel, but it was clear he wanted to take on Sir Isambart. The large monk decided he'd earned the right and stood aside. At that moment, though, Robin Hood emerged from the gatehouse, sword drawn. Die, villain, he shouted as he ran towards Sir Isambart. Back, came an order. Robin Hood, not used to taking orders, seemed to hear the authority in the voice and he stopped. The Black Knight nodded at him. Thank you. This man is mine. I will engage him. The rest of the Merry Men also recognised the authority. All of them, Robin Hood, Little John, Friar Tuck and the rest, stopped and watched. There was no more danger. The rest of the defenders had bravely retreated to the keep. It was just the Black Knight versus Sir Isambart de Balam. The Black Knight strode purposefully forward. He took his battle axe in both hands, swinging it lightly even though it weighed more than most men would have been able to manage. Isambart opposed him with a long sword. The Lord of Evil Hold thrust expertly with lunges that would have sorely wounded most opponents. The Black Knight, though, seemed just to dodge and parry with apparent carelessness, as though he wasn't really trying. The battle axe flashed through the air only once. Sir Isambard de Balaam crashed to the earth, lifeless, half of his face missing and all of his brains splattered on the ground. A great cheer was heard from the invaders from Sherwood. The cheer was short-lived, though, As the troops of evil hold, maybe thinking it was time to break out and run for it, exited the keep and charged Robin's men. It didn't take long for them to be polished off, but the distraction was enough. The black knight, using the cacophony of battle as a cover, mounted his horse and rode from the castle through the gate at top speed. Only a large monk watched as he went. The large monk made no attempt to stop Robin's new ally from leaving. It was as if he knew something about the enigmatic stranger, and that he shouldn't interfere. Robin, though, didn't have the same feeling. The Black Knight, he expostulated to Friar Tuck. Where is he? Legged it, came the short reply. Robin Hood looked out through the castle gate, and saw the Black Knight galloping away at high speed. And then the penny dropped. Robin Hood clapped his hand to his head. Rats, I should have known, he said ruefully. It's him, isn't it? Friar Tuck nodded. Robin Hood shouted to his men, If you, any of you, see that knight again, get on your knees and beg mercy of him. For there is only one man from England, only one Norman, who could wield a battle axe like that. There is only one with that strength and power. There is only one who would help men like us and ask for no reward. That, my friends, was our beloved King Richard, returned from captivity. Let us pray that he will soon wrest control of these lands from his evil brother. An even bigger cheer than the one signalling the end of Sir Isambart rang round the castle. The dust thrown up by the Black Knight's horse could still be seen in the distance. All of the merry men lowered themselves onto one knee and watched until there was no more sign of their newly returned king, if indeed that's who he was. Little John was the first to rise. And what of this place? he asked. Robin replied quietly and seriously. We've made an end to the master of this place, and we must make an end of his hold. If we don't, another dreadful baron will take his place, and the people will be no better off. Roger the Cruel seems to have escaped, and he will be vowing revenge. We mustn't leave him a fortress from which to base his villainy. The men of Sherwood gathered up some barrels of pitch, of which there were many. They collected any loose planks of wood, chairs, tables, spears, and other things made of tree. They placed a barrel of pitch and a bonfire-shaped pile of wood in each room in the keep. Then they made sure all of the prisoners had been released from the dungeon and any serving staff and other workers had been sent far from evil hold. Once this was done, each barrel of pitch was set alight. The Merry Men watched from outside as black smoke and fumes belched from every window in the keep. When the fumes were too pungent and the air too hot, they exited the castle through the front gate. Little John paused to strike the windlasses of the portcullis with his hammer. The mechanism broke into tiny pieces, ensuring that the portcullis could never be raised again. The men then smashed the drawbridge and dug a channel to drain the moat. By the time they had finished, the great keep was entirely engulfed in flames. A pillar of fire was visible for miles around for many days. When the flames had died down, evil hold was a ruin the local people travelled to the once-feared stronghold and took away stone to build houses. Roger the Cruel, the only survivor of all of Isambart's followers, made his way to St Mary's Abbey and told Abbot Hugo what had happened. And throughout Nottinghamshire, and then throughout England, the stories began to circulate. Evil Hold was gone, Sir Isambart was dead, and a stranger, stronger than any other man, had helped Robin Hood defeat him. Inevitably the identity of the stranger was heavily discussed, and most of those who speculated were right. It was true. Good King Richard was back in England. Surely it was only a matter of time before Prince John was stripped of his power and good times returned. Next time, we'll see if indeed those good times do return. If you're enjoying the podcast, then please pop down to my website www.mythandhistory2.podbean.com If you'd like to leave any feedback, or even just ask questions, then you can do so by email, mythandhistory at gmail.com, or you can friend me on Facebook, Paul Vincent Myth and History. So, have a great couple of weeks, and I'll speak to you next time.